and welcome to the Canada's History Podcast. This is a special educator series where we speak with the finalists for the 2018 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history. It's an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to research, interpret, and share the stories of the past. My name is Brooke Campbell, and today we're speaking with Christina Yorio, a high school teacher at St. Augustine Catholic High School in Markham, Ontario. She has developed a series of lesson plans that introduce her students to primary sources and develops their historical thinking skills. As a culminating activity, students create an escape room game for the rest of the class to participate in. Thanks for speaking with us today, Christina, and congratulations on being a finalist for this year's Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Thank you so much. I'm really excited for this opportunity. Oh, well, we're, we're so excited to talk to you. Um, before you tell us more about your project, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about your school and the students that you teach? Sure. Uh, so as you mentioned, I teach at St. Augustine Catholic High School, which is a school out in Markham, Ontario. Uh, so the students that I tend to uh, teach are in grade 10, so they're about 15, 16 years old, and that's where the Canadian history curriculum falls. Um, I've been teaching for, I'm going into my 15th year of teaching in September, um, and the student population uh, tends to uh, be very multicultural. Uh, the students are largely uh, either first-generation immigrants or second-generation immigrants, and they are very digitally engaged. And in fact, so much so to the point that our school is moving towards a STEM-focused uh, programming in the next year or so. Uh, so they're, you know, really engaged by digital technology. And so uh, this was, you know, good opportunity for me to incorporate that digital technology into the history program. Yeah, definitely. So what really inspired you to come up with this project? Well, it started by a couple of different uh, events that happened. So the first kind of goes back to shopping at Costco, <laughs> if you believe it. Uh, so at Costco, they had these books that had that were on like World War One or World War Two, and inside they had um, primary source documents like leaflets. They were just like little facsimiles of the original document um, that were in the book, and there was Canadian content in these. Costco history books. And so I removed the primary sources and I would pass them out to the, the kids in the class um, to have a look as I was teaching that particular element of history. And they would just pass it along and wouldn't give it a second glance to it. And it just frustrated me because to me, they were so cool to, to see. And they were just kind of like, yeah, okay, pass it along. Um, and no one really um, spent the time to, to look at it. Um, so that made me want to kind of pursue a way to make make them look at primary sources more in depth. Um, the other thing was um, my parents had, like, I guess, I guess my parents might be a little bit of hoarders, but they had a lot of um, like antiques and like uh, uh, artifacts from the various decades that they lived, lived through, obviously, like just things like cameras or um, typewriters or things like that. And so when you start to purge things, you're, you know, like, hey, do you want this? Sure, I'll bring it into my class. And that kind of led to the development of my escape room, which, or sorry, the um, Antiques Roadshow, which kind of led into the escape room and the effectsimiles led into the Antiques Roadshow. So they all kind of were connected in, in the development process of it. Yeah, your project really is this culmination of all sorts of lessons um, mm -hmm. that use all these kinds of things, which is amazing. So why don't you tell us a little bit more in detail about each of those lessons and the activities that your students complete? 
Sure. So the first, so I'll go back to that, those facsimiles of the, the primary source documents. So what I do is I create what, what I call a factor fiction um, activity. So they are given a uh, primary source document. Like, so an example would be like ration books or um, a letter from the, from the home front. Uh, uh, or to the home front, for that matter, um, and they and I and I give them a like a falsehood about the the a primary source and a truth about the like what the primary source is actually about, um, and they have to then as a group look at the primary source and decide which one is the truth. So they don't necessarily walk into it with any knowledge. Um, they have to decide, you know, what you know which one is true based on the clues that they see, and they have to pull out those clues for themselves. So I give them a little um, like worksheet that they have to write down what clues they've noticed that lead them to the indication that you know this option is the truth of that primary source. So that's the factor fiction. So I do that with um, the World War I and World War II. For the Antiques Roadshow, what I did was I just um, compiled various artifacts and antiques um, from the various decades. So in particular, it's the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, and so then they move from the various stations uh, where they will touch, experiment, um, play with the various antiques. So, for example, I managed to get an Expo 67 passport um, so they can look through that, or a Centennial flag. Um, there's a typewriter in one of the stations. Um, my InSync CD is in the 90s, you know, and so they get to see what it's like. And, like, the things that, you know, um, like, I don't know how old you are or your listeners are, but, like, for me, like, I would never consider a CD player to be an antique. And I put a CD player on the station for them to look at, and they were like, how do I use a CD player now? <laughs> you know, so, so that kind of like made me realize, oh, maybe some of the things that I have, like from my own personal collection, are antiques by, you know, the millennial gen generation, I guess. Um, and so I started adding in like my NSYNC CD, um, you know, like, even just record players from when I was a kid, like my Madonna record from when I went, you know, from the 80s, Cabbage Patch Kid, like these things they've never seen, they've never had an opportunity to play a record. And so as they move through the stations, they have to make note of of the elements of technology, the cultural uh, connections that there are uh, within the various decades. Um, and so that kind of gives them a visual and tactical um, uh, experience with, with how, like, what people had in those various decades. Then that leads into the escape room. So um, what I did was I modeled the escape room um, first. So I created a kind of a review escape room for the era of World War, because our curriculum starts at World War One and it uh, goes to the present day. So I did an escape room that was a review of World War One to the 19, like 1939. And I became, like I was the character of Tammy the time traveler who was stuck in time and she needed the students to help her get out of, like get out of her little uh, trap. Um, and so they had to com uh, complete these various questions and codexes and uh, unlock the box, which then frees Tammy from her um, timey-wimey uh, trouble that she's in. Um, that then uh, was the moment to now create their own escape room based on a decade that they had already researched and written an essay about. So in their various decades, so there would be roughly about five to six students that would have researched the 60s, for example. And they come together as a group and they now develop an escape game. And so there are clue makers in the group. There's a project manager. There are um, tech advisors. And so the tech advisors are responsible for uh, creating any, like either doing like the technology of the clue or um, they have to create a artifact of the decade using our 3D printer that we have in our school library. Um, and so then that becomes a piece 
as part of their escape game. And they then would have another group play their escape game and, and they get to see it in action being played by someone else in their class that doesn't know the answers uh, to their to their game. Wow, that sounds so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I did it that. is. It is. It's fun to watch too. <laughs> yeah, like all those activities sound amazing. So it sounds like like this ma- a major component, at least for the for the first couple of activities you described, is using those those antiques and those artifacts yes. and stuff. What do you think that the students gain the most from being able to actually examine these items in the physical? So it's easy for, you know, I can easily show them a picture of a telephone or show them a picture of a typewriter. And you can see it and you can be like, you know, oh, that's pretty low tech. Like, you know, there's not a lot of buttons on it or, you know, like it looks low tech. But when you put a rotary phone in front of them or you put a, tel- a typewriter that doesn't have a, you know, whiteout feature to it or like, you know, how do you hit enter to go to the next line, they recognize the like the perspective of a person living in that time period so like you know you can look at the telephone and see it but you can't appreciate its weight you can't appreciate the fact that the cord doesn't separate from the 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 receiver you can't appreciate how to use a rotary dial um, for the typewriter Um, the kids when they go to use the typewriter they immediately start typing really fast on it like because their computer keyboards move really fast so they will start typing fast but the actual um, uh, keys can't keep up and they'll get jammed. And so that makes them realize that they have to slow down their typing. Um, and then they come to the end of the line and they're like, well, how do I turn the line? Like, how do I hit enter? Um, how do I insert paper into it? And all of that allows them to experience, I don't know if I want to say like the difficulties, but the, you know, the, how much, how far technology has really come, uh, you know, to this, this time period from, you know, even just, you know, the, the 70s or 80s or 90s, you, you really get to see um, and feel and experience that for yourself. Yeah, definitely. And it, it seems like you, you mentioned that your students were really digitally connected. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're really pushing towards STEM programming. And you talked about 3D printing. So it sounds like you really try to incorporate digital technology and digital history into your classroom. Can you speak to that a little bit more? For sure. So um, there's absolutely there's a, a 3D printer aspect. So the kids um, would develop some sort of an artifact to go along with their escape game. So they decide for themselves what best fits with the um, the game um, storyline. So for example, in the 70s, their um, uh, 3D printout was. Um, the car that Pierre Laporte was found in. Um, for uh, the group that did the 80s, they did the uh, Olympic medal for the Calgary Olympics. Um, for the team that was looking at the housing crisis, they had a key to represent the key that you'd use to unlock your house. Um, another group had um, uh, a first aid kit to represent the, SAR, the SARS epidemic. So they, ha- they would use the 3D printer uh, and various programs. So the big program that they use is called Tinkercad. And so they developed a 3D model and it gets exported to the 3D printer and prints it out. So it allows them to um, be able to correct any mistakes that they might have, to improve upon, upon it, develop something from the ground up, basically, in some cases. Um, so that's, that's one aspect that we use. Um, another one, a big one that I use in my classes, is the Google Education Suite. So for World War I, um, instead of having them create, let's say, like a poster board, you can have them create a virtual museum for um, the, the first unit. So our first unit is World War I to 1929. 
So they get various people or um, job titles of that, that era, and they have to create a museum around that. So there's like women in war, um, you know, uh, women in politics, uh, men in the trenches, and they have to then create a, an interactive virtual museum using something like um, the Google Slides. So that's uh, another way. Um, my kids use podcasts a lot in the class, so there's a lot of podcasts that are out there in history, um, and there's even some out there for Canadian history as well. I mean, it's not as, you know, not as easily um, uh, available as some for American history, but certainly there's stuff out there if you search. Um, and then I have them listen to the podcast, like Today in Canadian History is a good one for, um, you know, interviewing actual historians, and so the kids get to hear, you know, what was René Lévesque like, um, you know, during his, you know, uh, his era and his time period, and they get to hear a historian talk about, you know, what René Lévesque was like to the people, uh, for the people of Canada and Quebec uh, at that time period. So I'll incorporate podcasts like Today in Canadian History, Stuff You Missed in History Class has some good ones like on the Halifax Explosion. Um, and so they'll listen to that. Um, and that's easy to do, especially with just a smartphone. Um, we also have the Google Cardboards. So Historica Canada gave schools and students um, a Google Cardboard uh, for them to use. So the students will use Google Expeditions and they can visit Vimy Memorial from the seat of their chair in the classroom. They can see what tr the trenches are like from, you know, just by this digital app that they, that they can access. Um, and I also like uh, the digital archives from CBC because it allows them to have, um, to be able to see the media uh, from, let's say, the 60s or 70s, uh, the news items, the radio programming that was happening at that point in time. So that's really kind of uh, neat for them to see in person what people would have experienced in the 60s or in the 70s. All of those are fantastic resources. I'm, I'm sure it really helps kids, especially who are so digitally inclined to, mm -hmm. to connect with the history. That's, that's They like incredible. seeing the visual. Like they, to see, like, you know, they, especially like something like um, uh, Pierre Trudeau, they, they are like, because they understand Justin Trudeau, like, you know, he's prime minister. So they understand that correlation. They, when they see Pierre Trudeau on, you know, the screen of their computer, they are in, they, you know, are hungry for more information. And that's that, you know, as a history teacher, that's all you can ask for is for them to be hungry to, to see more. Yeah, that's awesome. That's exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. So what's your favorite part about this project? I like seeing their creativity and the collaboration that they that they um, engage in when they're working on their escape rooms. Um, it's it's amazing to me to see the the levels of their creativity that they can come up with. Um, like for example, like things that I would never have thought of myself. Like one of the things, uh, one of the clues for the 1970s escape game was that they had to. Um, uh, they ha their first clue was the FLQ manifesto, and you ha you as the player had to decide: do you accept the terms of the FLQ? If you you know I can't remember if it was decline or accept, but you had to whatever choice you gave, you got a penalty for that. And so like I would never have considered doing that kind of option, but the players who played that game that aspect, and that's something that they as a group came together and um, and decided and determined and um, and became proud of because people were so excited by that particular aspect, that clue. Um, another really good one, and I mentioned it earlier, was the Calgary Olympic medal that was created from the escape game. 
for the, through the 3D printer. So they had two tech advisors in their group, um, and each tech advisor did one half of that Olympic medal. So if you ever Google the, the Calgary Olympic medal, you'll see that on one side it has an indigenous head on the one side, and on the other side it has kind of, the, I guess, the logo of the Calgary Olympics. And each student did the, the half. Um, and they then printed it independently, but they had to make sure that the size was correct for each of them. Um, they had to put it together. They had to create a ribbon for it. They had to, they painted it gold. Um, and that became a, an integral part of their, of their escape game. And like the detail and the level of detail that was in this, this uh, Olympic medal was incredible. It's a dead ringer for the actual Olympic medal, um, just created by hand using this 3D um, uh, Tinkercad program that they had. And it's free and accessible on the internet for people too. That's so cool. That, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Are there any other stories or moments that stood out to you? Uh, I, I just like seeing that they're um, thinking about the decades. Like when they come together and they're discussing what they want to do for their for their game, they they're evaluating what's important in that game. So they're um, trying to see, you know, okay, so should we talk about the prime minister at this time? What did the prime minister do? Um, was this person, you know, did they enact a significant change? And so they have to like make those connections and those conclusions. Um, with regards to the Antiques Roadshow, one of the funny things that I, uh, that I kind of think is, um, I, get, I asked them for like an exit card of like what they liked best about the course. And, and one of the students in their exit card said that their favorite thing in the course was the Antiques Roadshow. And they especially liked the typewriter. And the, the kid's quote was something to the effect of like, I've legit asked for this for my 16th birthday. <laughs> so they asked for a typewriter <laughs> for their birthday, um, which I thought was really funny to, uh, to consider this like 16-year-old has a typewriter uh, that they're going to be presumably writing <laughs> things on. Yeah, you might get a typed up uh, essay next year. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be very impressed. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Christina. Um, it's fantastic to learn a little bit more about your project and, and to hear from you. And again, congratulations on being a finalist for the 2018 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This has been an awesome, awesome experience.